This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society. And we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Wonderful to have Mr. Ben Hornwell with us. Ben, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Peter. Thanks very much for the invitation. Not at all. You will obviously, our viewers will know Ben from War Room. And um, I think, uh, and you can follow him at Hornwell. He is so up there that he just gets his one name, just his surname, doesn't need anything else. Most of us need a first and second name. Ben gets passed with at Hornwell. Um, And obviously, Ben, you've been doing, uh, obviously, your um, on War Room many, many times a week with Steve Bannon, uh, but you've also been doing War Room Room. Maybe before we jump into the stories, and we'll touch on Italy as well, so that we'll get to that, but just let us know how that's been going. It's going, it's been going great. I mean, we've had some teething problems, um, technical teething problems, but actually, thanks to your good self, a lot of those were, were ironed out within the first 24 hours. In fact, Hearts of Oak viewers uh, should know that the the, the great legendary host uh, actually steered us through on on our very first episode of of Banner's War Room. What we're working on now, hopefully next week, um, I don't know if this is an exclusive, Peter, that I'm dropping for you. Um, Hopefully next week we will have our own dedicated studios for the um, for the show, and I'm hoping, um, fingers crossed, that we will have the um, the subtitles working um, for the um, because the show is in Italian. That there's a, there's a closed caption subtitles so that our great English speaking audience will be able to follow rather than just complaining that the existing <laughs> translation is just throwing up random words. Of course, that's that, that's the accusation people normally make of me when I'm speaking in English. But I think on the on this time, the, the, the uh, people the feedback actually has a point. Fair enough. Well, for those of you who don't speak Italian, you can watch those old episodes if you want to maybe learn a little bit of Italian. But those subtitles will be great for obviously the English speakers. Um, there is a lot to jump in today. Uh, I let me just. We've got, let me bring up a few before we start. Kev the Daddy One, listening from Essex, UK. Uh, we've got Trevor 0707. We've got Jennifer LB, hi from California. Uh, we've got Laura Bell, hello from Louisiana. We have got uh, Trevor 0707 from Bradford. Um, who else have we got? Adi from Michigan. Uh, we have Vicky, as always. Great to see you from sunny Florida. Uh, I hope you're well down there, Vicky, uh, with everything that's happened with those storms. And anyone else, drop your comments and we will do a whirlwind round the world with you all. But in the meantime, if we can go to our first story, which is on UK politics on Quasi Cartang. So if ProJam can bring up the first story. And this is Quasi Quartang, obviously, uh, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, the one who oversees the finance, the money here in the UK. And this was the headline from a few days ago 
Quasi Quartang U-turns on plans to scrap 45p tax rate. And if we scroll down there, uh, it gives a, a lot of information on the government U-turning their plans to scrap the 45p rate of income tax for higher earnings. Um, and I think that uh, basically was uh, the um, the thing which caused the government many, many issues and Liz Truss's first big issue and first big U-turn. Now, Ben, what are... Um, Obviously, this opens up the whole discussion on what's been happening over the last probably week or 10 days with Liz Truss's new government. Um, but yeah, tell us tell us about this, the mini budget. What were your thoughts on it? Um, well, I saw that Kwasi Kwarteng made um, an apology and I think he was absolutely right to apologise. He should, but for he and he did apologise, but for the wrong reasons. He should have apologised for being so weak and spineless in U-turning in the first place. I think the the the, the proposed tax cut was absolutely perfect. Um, my only problem was is that it wasn't matched with, and this is the thing that the whole media, to its typical genius totally avoided in dealing with. The problem w w with the budget was that it wasn't so much the tax cuts, and that obviously, basically, the Marxist BBC is going to hate the idea um, of that in principle. The problem was that it wasn't matched with, with equivalent public spending cuts, which it should be. Um, now, everyone, the media has been sort of spoon feeding us for the last month that, you know, that, that Liz Truss and Quasi Kwarteng are the second coming of Genghis Khan. Um, and, and, and that really got my hopes up, right, Peter? Because I was actually starting to think, oh, finally, finally, everyone says that she's going to be a second Margaret Thatcher. Great. The problem with this budget, Peter, is I didn't see any rolling back of the frontiers of the state. Um, tax cuts are great, right? But not at the cost of leaping on and sort of heaping on more debt for, for our kids and, and grandchildren to pay. Um, I would have had no problem whatsoever in in matching the, the tax cuts with public spending cuts. Um, you know, there are a few points I'm going to tie in uh, as we go through the articles over, over the course of the next hour. Um, but I, I would have had no problem. At all. And I think, you know, it could easily have been sold to the British public. If you think about it, um, it just shows you how 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 successful the cultural Marxist infiltration has been, how pervasive it has been throughout the UK. You know, the, the idea that the BBC are spinning this as tax cuts for the rich, that £150,000 salary is a lot, right? But we're not talking super yachts and billionaires here. We're talking success people who are successful middle-class families, probably people, um, you know, and I think quite, quite, quite uh, feasibly, we're talking successful plumbers, for example. But people on the upper edges of the working class who have worked very hard and been successful are now being pummeled by every pound that they pay over that one hundred and fifty thousand pound threshold. They're paying forty five percent tax on that. That's basically the state taking half of it. Uh, and it's not even a case that the state is going to spend that money well. This is the problem that we know, is that the state wastes our resources on its own ideological um, and pointless and incompetent and ineffective bureaucracy. Um, now, a truly conservative government worthy of the name 
I, people, as I, I repeat myself here, people said that Liz Truss um, was going to be a second Margaret Thatcher. I think that Margaret Thatcher would have leapt in with both feet here and tried to give people more of their own wealth back to them. And she would have made a very successful argument as to why she was doing that. That's why Margaret Thatcher is still in the Tory party, is still not the most popular leader since, um, since, what, since Churchill. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was for, it was interesting to see that budget uh, wanting to cut tax. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, again, the, the issue I had was it's all well and good cutting taxes and that'll be the first time the Conservative government had done that. Uh, we've had 2010, from 2010, a supposedly Conservative government under various leaders. Uh, but this was the first time that actually decided, well, we're going to give money back to people. But I guess the current mess that we find ourselves in uh, economically, because no government have decided that we need to plan fiscally for the future, um, then if you cut taxes, I guess you go back to the money tree, and it doesn't exist. It certainly doesn't, which is why you need to we need you need to cut the fat off the uh, off the public spending budget, and there's a lot of fat to cut off. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Oh, and the other thing, Peter, I might just yeah. say right. The other thing here is is is, is the, the the raising to infallible status of the the office for budget responsibility, because it's not just the problem, right? That 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 that, that the Marxists, which is basically great anyone in Great Britain that's not either Farage or or, um, or conservative, right? So basically everything else. It's not just the fact that the Marxists are terrified that people who, who have made some honest success for themselves might slip beyond their grasp of being dependent on the state and horror of horrors might actually be able to live without needing, um, without, without even thinking about needing the state's stolen largesse. That's not just the problem. The other part of the problem is this raising to the status of the bureaucrats. Yeah. The other problem that they had is that the bureaucrats, the bureaucracy, hadn't signed off on it. Yeah, it's not the fact that we have uh, that we're supposed to have an elected democracy, elected no. representative government in the UK, and that the House of yeah, it is it, correctly said that the, that the that the that the, the, the under the British Constitution we effectively have elective dictatorships with very few checks and balances. It's not that's not the issue here. We it's not actually true because the government doesn't have the liberty and the freedom. Um, to to do what it thinks uh, it ha has the moral support and 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 the mandate that elected it uh, legitimacy it's the fact that they that the civil servants didn't give their little ticks in the boxes yeah. they didn't approve of course they're not going to approve the last thing these power sites are ever going to want and allow and encourage and facilitate is people taking control of their own lives back so it's no surprise that the office for budget of responsibility didn't didn't tick the box so um I would say, talking, saying, having said earlier that I'd be perfectly happy to trim the fat. That would be the first; those would be the first civil servants to hit the door queue. Oh, absolutely. Let's jump on to another issue that the government have hit, and this is about energy. So, Projam can bring up the energy, which is the next one, and of course, this is hitting everywhere across Europe. Um, but of course, the UK. Uh, have talked about, well, even when you mentioned blackouts, so this was on Sky News, um, whenever they talked about having blackouts and then saying, well, no, and that may not happen. But even the 
the the phrase blackouts will strike everyone with fear and all this talk about well you have to use your washing machine in the middle of the night and um, you can't use it during the day because you don't have enough power and once again we've had uh, previous governments haven't actually planned for how or how power is used in the UK yeah well you know thanks to the british government and the british government uh, um is has just been as incompetent as all the other Western governments tripping over themselves to appease Vladimir Zelensky. Um, but thanks to their, the, 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 the globalist agenda of putting Ukrainians first, um, we're, we're returning in the UK to the 1970s and the, uh, the three-day week um, and all the power cuts um, that those brought about. Um, the Germans, we know, are returning to chopping wood to heat their stoves. Yeah, this is the, Europe's most industrialised economy. We're, we're being taken back. So, we're, we're, we'll be, so, so Germany's returning to the 19th century. We'll be lucky, Peter, if we finish only being returning back to the 70s. No, I agree. And the funny thing, I saw Germany telling all of Europe to cut their energy usage, that actually over the last couple of months, they've been increasing their energy usage, which, of course, uh, yeah, the Germans say one thing and do another. Um, but that was quite comical, I thought. Um, let's go on to Italy. Uh, a lot happened in Italy, a lot to get excited about in Italy with those elections. Um, so, Projan, we'll, let, we'll take that off. We'll actually jump into, let's go on to the Italy story. Uh, let me see, what's our first? Um, this is, uh, actually, they're all Politico. Um, that was where Politico.eu. But this was seven nightmares in the making for Italy's Georgia Maloney. And Italy faced a lot of issues, as many countries. Some of them are exclusive to Italy. So if we scroll up, Jam, we can go to the seven headings. Um, the first one, economic headwinds. That's the, the first. That affects everyone. Then keep scrolling. So they've got a, a budget. Of course, they've got a, a, a budget out of control, massive deficit. Um, where does the recovery come from? Uh, again, that does affect many other countries. And keep scrolling down, Projam. Um. And then, of course, well, she it's an alliance, so needs to see how she works uh, with the other two in the alliance. Um, but And it goes on, but there are a whole load of issues which, obviously, uh, she faces in Italy. Um, some of them will be Italian-specific, some of them will be, will be general. But tell us your thoughts on what's happened here, because it is a, an earthquake in the centre of Europe, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, let me just quote from this article, Peter, here um, in, in the penultimate paragraph. It says, Brussels is always a potential minefield, while the leaders of Hungary and Poland, who are under EU scrutiny for backsliding on democracy, welcomed Maloney's success. Paris and Berlin are much less enthusiastic. I mean, the idea that the EU is now going to be the guarantor of democracy with the EU Commission, with its basically zero democratic uh, mandate, is, is something that we can only, thankfully now outside of the, the EU, point at, look at and laugh. Um, but of course, the issue really isn't here with, with, with Hungary and Poland, which have been 
slapped down by the European Union for supposed um, uh, politicization of, of the judiciary. I can tell you, Peter, I mean, I could talk for 24 hours if you if you gave me a long enough um, interview to do this on, on just how bad the Italian um, yeah. judiciary is. And in fact, I know we've got another article we're going to talk about, and, I, and I'll save some of those things to there, right? The EU is not interested in corrupt judiciaries as long as the country plays uh, things from from the um, the EU hymn sheet. It's only when they start to try to put their own people's first, which is what the Polish and the Hungarian governments are trying to do, that the European Union suddenly discovers it has an interest in independent judiciary. Um, I mean, it's just absolutely. I mean, it, it's 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 so. Ridiculous! Only left-wing uh, journals like Politico w would publish it w w with the most serious face that they can muster. It's it, it, it's ridiculous. Um, also, looking at this article, um, it says that President talk, talking about talk in the same breath, talking about their their concerns about Italian democracy. They say here quite approvingly that President Sergio Mattarella is unlikely to approve putting uh, um, Matteo Salvini um, in the government as Home Office Minister. Just to give a very quick description of, of how it works here in Italy, the President of the Republic has the veto rights. Mm. Um, in fact, well, he actually nominates them. The, the Prime Minister doesn't nominate his or her own ministers. They're nominated by the, um, uh, by the, by the President yeah. of the Republic. Um, so the idea, right, and, and they've just... The Politico, you know, because it's only interested in democracy in a certain direction. The idea that a junior coalition partner might be deprived of the the key position that it that it had before and is agitating to have again to fulfil its its electoral promises uh, with regards to to securing Italian Italy's borders vis-a-vis -vis illegal immigrants. The idea that the president, who is not popularly elected, but uh, but chosen by the parliament, the idea that he might veto Salvini as a uh, Home Office minister is, is widely applauded by the very same journalists that say that that, that, that say two paragraphs later that in in the in the in their pompous pearl clutching tones that Berlin and Paris are concerned for democracy in Italy. I'm concerned for democracy in Italy, Peter, but not because of uh, the European Union. It's because the will of the people in Italy is constantly frustrated by unelected powers. That's what concerns me. doesn't concern Politico. Well, let me the next one on France. If Prujan can bring it up, it leaves Maloney furious after France vows to monitor rule of law. Uh, this is a... Uh, Crazy! It would actually be something we expected maybe Germany to do. Obviously, we saw Germany interfere in Greece, in Ireland, many other countries, and they're the big bully of Europe. And now they want to be fully armed, which opens up those questions. But um, for France to say that after the elections, they will not be very attentive to respect um, of the rule of law. Wow! How dare the French... But in until Italy, these are supposedly sovereign states, but it looks like they're not, and it looks like the the big bullies can actually intervene. Um, and yeah, so I guess completely unexpected uh, to get this announcement that France were now the the keepers of democracy in Italy. Uh, well, look, 
Um, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on 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 this one, Peter. Firstly, no one dislike no one, right, will dislike the French as much as I do. However, on this point, on this issue, Laurent Spoon, right, the, the the French European affairs, as much as I it loathes me to say it, she has a point, right? Mm. There is no rule of law in Italy. Let me give you, um, uh, but that's not that's not, I, I don't I really desperately don't want to to play up the the French on this. Um, However, this is my personal experience of Italy, right? Just some of your viewers might have seen out of the corner of their eye over recent um, years this this this, this um, Judeo-Christian monastery that Steve Bannon and myself were, were setting up in the mountains outside yep. Rome. Just a very, very quick potted in 30 seconds history of this. So we participated in a public tender perfectly regularly. Um... We, we we won this this monastery, eight hundred year old monastery, uh, and basically all hell broke loose. Um, the, probably didn't help so much um, that every day I was giving interviews saying, actually, funnily enough, the circular nature of history that Matteo Salvini had had was saving Italy from the existential crisis of um, of uncontrolled uh, immigration. In, in um, into the peninsula, and he and he was doing quite a bit to stop it. Uh, of course, that really you've got to know. If I if I say that the that the, the, the BBC in the UK is run by Marxists, it's it's it, imagine if you will, if you can, an even worse situation, an even worse country where that where the communist infiltration is even worse, yeah. and that is Italy, right? So saying these things, saying we wanted to support the Judeo-Christian basis of Western civilization. Well, that's just like flicking holy water to vampire. So the communists, which controlled the judiciary and 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 the p political system, um, kicked us out of the monastery um, totally illegally. Um, saying totally, I mean, it was a lie that I fraudulently participated in the tender. And to this day, I've never been convicted of any crime in Italy or, or in any country of, of fraud or anything else. Right? They took. We appealed that decision, Peter. We won seven out of seven legal decisions, right? And then the Ministry of Culture appealed this to the Council of State. Here's the point I want to say: the Council of State, in 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 a, in a court setting, Peter, a court setting, right? No jury, no public, no press, no Harnwell, right? Overturned our, our previous victories saying yes but uh, between the lines saying yes harnwell is right the law does say uh, that the ministry for culture can't do this but in italy that the the civil service has, has a long history of acting outside the law and can do so in this occasion as well we then appealed that to um the cassazione which is italy's supreme court of appeal um um, saying it was just, just ridiculous, and if you allow this sentence to stand, that means that the Italian civil service will be able to unilaterally annul any lease, any any lease with any third sector service provider at any point in time, based only on its own word that there was fraud in the tender, and then yeah. nobody will come. I mean, not even Ital Italians won't invest, but no one from abroad will come in. Um, and the um, the Cassatini, they they didn't want to give, they didn't want to say that we were right, but they couldn't say that the ministry was right because they didn't want to set that 
precedent. So they just said our appeal was inadmissible with this argument, again, between the lines. Yes, the judges got it wrong, but judges get things wrong. And that is the situation that Italy is in, right? So when I say that Laurence Boone, the, the, the French European Affairs Minister, is absolutely right to say that there is no rule of law in this, in this country, it's something I feel very strongly about, and I have the personal experience of suffering at the hands of it. The, the, the judiciary is lawless. And by the way, by the way, I said at the Council of State when they overturned uh, one of the, the lower court sentences that that was 100% in our favour, um, that there was no public, no jury, no press, no harm. At least my lawyers were out, able to participate in that. When it went to the Supreme Court of Italy, there was no press, no jury, um, no Harnwell. There weren't even my defence lawyers weren't there. I mean, this is like this is Star Chamber stuff. We haven't even seen we haven't seen this in the kind of thing in the UK since before Magna Carta. Uh, and Italy, supposedly a, a civilized modern country in the heart of the European Union, um, but of course it gets away with it hmm. because its political establishment is pro-European. Right? Yeah. You don't get any strong condemnations of the Italian judiciary um, from the European Union in this instance. No, ab absolutely. Um, let, let, let's look over, because obviously uh, lots of talk about um, about the election. And here we have a story. <laughs> it could have kept it for the end, but just sort of threw it in. I don't know if Ben will have much to add to it. But this is all the way from Uganda. A beautiful story. And Ugandan president apologizes uh, apologizes for General's son who offered a hundred cows to marry Georgia Maloney. Um, uh, he also talked about him threatening to invade Kenya. But if we scroll down, we find that the president of Uganda issued a statement apologizing for the social media post from his son, an army general who had threatened to invade Kenya. I think that's what he was apologizing for. But then also, he had asked his 600,000 Twitter followers how many cows should be offered as a bride price for Georgia Maloney, the next likely prime minister of Italy. Um, I I'm glad even the Kenyans are happy that she's in. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, if you, if you look at what General Kaina Rugaba said, he said that the Nakori cows are the most beautiful cows on earth. So I obviously Googled them and they are very, no, no, don't laugh, don't laugh. They are, ex, they are exquisitely beautiful cows. And I have to think, and he says, in our culture, you give a girl, you give a girl you like a cow. And he says, I would give a hundred Nakori cows immediately um, to Georgia Maloney uh, for her hand in marriage. Um, and I have to say, Peter, and must have been a tempting offer for her. She must have, I think, if he'd, I mean, he offered 100. If he'd have offered 110, 120, I think they could have got a deal. I, I just wonder how they'd get the cows from Kenya over to Italy. So that would be another, the transportation could be a big issue. But I don't know if she's taken him up on his offer. I haven't I, seen I, any further. I, I'm, I'm presuming the now four-star general um, would have expected Georgia to, um, to, to go to Uganda. Uh, and, and live there um, rather than him taking the cows. But he did say, he did say, if the Romans reject our cows, that means we must we must capture Rome. That would take us days to do. Um, 
that's not that's not a hubristic, Peter. I think they probably would only take a few days. Um, if you ask members, a lot of people who voted for um, the League or Brothers of Italy in the elections a couple of weeks ago, they will actually say that that that, that Uganda has been leading an invasion on the um, on the Italian peninsula for, for a number of years. Well, yeah, if, if they don't get Kenya, then maybe they can have Italy. And they might have better luck uh, with that takeover. Um, let's go on to other matters. Uh, let's go on to US politics. We've done some UK. We've done Italian. Let's head over to um, over to the States. And this is the good news that CNN have actually wakened up to, that Joe Biden is still pretty unpopular. And this is just great because they go into uh, the stats, um, obviously the upcoming uh, elections, 8th of November, and they say for the last month or so, the dominant narrative in American politics has been that President Joe Biden and Democrats more generally are on the comeback trail. I don't know what narrative that is. Um, and they're also keeping the Senate look better. So they actually get this, and then they begin to throw numbers, which shows just how badly Biden is doing. And I think it's wonderful that CNN are actually waking up to this is a disaster of a leader they have in Biden. I was going to call him the president, the, the former vice president, Biden. <laughs> well, look, I mean, to, 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 to go through a, 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 a couple of the... the, the, the the headline numbers here. In terms of the negative approval rating, the following swing states have um, indicated to pollsters that in, in Arizona, we're talking minus 18, Georgia, minus 20, Nevada, minus 17, New Hampshire, minus 1, Ohio, minus 24, Pennsylvania, minus 13, Wisconsin, minus 13. These, these are figures that are underwater. And it, it, I mean, there were a couple of reasons for it. There's the first that um, to basically half the country, the, the, the situation over 2020 was never resolved satisfactorily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the first. Thing. And the second issue is that to the extent that Biden was elected, he was elected really as the moderate, the most moderate candidate um, in the, in the, in, um, amongst the, the, um, the, the, the candidates that the Democrat Party had thrown up. Um, and that's what he was elected for. And he, but he hasn't been a, a moderate. He's, he's really governed from the hard left to, to the extent that that, that, that that he's been moderate. It's because Joe Manchin, with his with his one vote, has been able to hold the caucus for, from not going over to all out AOC communism. Um, but he's actually been a disastrous president. This is the thing, right? He's been a disastrous president, and it's hitting ordinary working Americans. Where they're where they're most vulnerable in their pockets. Um, the the fact again, I mean, we mentioned the, the the economic catastrophe that is facing Great Britain because of our insane involvement in the the Ukraine Russian yeah. war. Well, this is also the case in the United States, and where Biden has rather blasely tried to to ascribe these price rises and the cost of living increases to, to, to Putin's price rises. Nobody believes it. You see, they, they know they're being gaslit. Um, and they know they're being gaslit even on his own side. So, um, you know, this is the, I'm, I'm delighted to see that the incompetence that he has shown uh, has been, uh, is being noted ahead of um, the midterms. 
No, exactly. And, and if any of our US viewers want to drop in their comments on, on the Getter chat, do you think Biden is on the combat trail? <laughs> Let us know what you think on the side. Um, and I just cannot believe the 40, 40% of Americans actually believe he's doing a good job. It shows how uh, deluded the, the country is um, and how asleep so many people are. That's probably the biggest argument against democracy. If 40% think Sleepy Joe is actually doing a good job, God help America. I think I'll leave it at that. Um, let's jump on to the, the next one, this uh, big story on how news is used, fake news sites, um, and uh, it's 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 quite a obviously it's kind of what we expect to happen, but they put all this together, and this Democrats are operating a series of fifty one fake news sites. If Projam can bring that up, um, pushing a hard left ideology, and they talk about fifty one sites um, have actually been put up. Uh, we'll just bring this up. Can, can I can I list can I list some of the potential possibilities? Absolutely, jump in. Yeah, New York Times Online, CNN, Washington Post. That, that's that's my attempt at humour. <laughs> no, but they, they no, no, absolutely. Well, they've always been there. But these, it seems as though they've actually made up. So a new report told by fifty-one fake news websites promoting okay. political causes, um, all popped up over the last 12 months. And a lot of them popped up in swing states uh, with actually they, they don't exist. They've simply been set up. The, some of the publications are the Milwaukee Metro Times, the Tri-City Record, and the Mecklenburg Herald. So these are ones that basically have been set up just to influence elections. It's not about news. It's simply about um, pushing an agenda and telling people that Sleepy Joe actually knows what he's doing. Look, I, I've, I've got two responses to this story. The first is you know, credit where credit is due. Axios is it, it, it's a, it's a definitely, definitely a left-wing yeah. progressive media organisation. Um, but it's not as insane as, it's not as unhinged as, yeah. say, for example, the New York Times editorial line. Um, so first, first thing, kudos to Axios for having the guts to publish this story, right? Kudos, hats off to them for doing this. I, I note in passing that over the last year, one of the things that Axios has been doing has been localising its news coverage, opening up um, local news bureaus uh, right across the states. So there's, I'm not saying it, I'm not I'm not saying that its news article here is totally disinterested. Um, because it's also in the game and it also, you know, in, in indicating what's going on there with the 51 fake news portals, it's also indirectly saying, you know, but but we're here and and, and, uh, and we'll, we'll give the same Democrat weighted um, news, but but we're the good guys. Um, my, my second observation, Peter, is just that the whole thing here underlines the absolute importance, right? If you are an informed Look, anyone who's watching this show is going to be an informed, by exclusion, an informed digester of, of political news, right? But this goes to show that the fact that there are fake news portals out there it goes to show the absolute, I mean, the most important thing an informed participant in society can do is 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 be concerned over your sources of, of news 
what, what you're, where you're getting your news from. That is the most important thing because that will color everything subliminally. Um, very, very important. Um, and that's why the importance of Hearts of Oak, Getter, the platform that you and I are both on, um, the war room, yeah. you know, what, what we're doing as alternative means of, 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 of news communication. And with regards, I'll just say this, with regards to um, the war room, um, when I'm doing my, because I'm, I'm, I'm the international editor for the war room, when I'm on and I'm talking about stories, I almost exclusively use for my source of information that I will quote the, the BBC, the New York Times, the Guardian, right? I, I never go yeah. for facts to right-wing newspapers or, 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 or networks. Why? Because I want to make the argument that if this is what the left is saying, we, you know, uh, this is... This is what the left is saying, so we're not making up the facts. What we will then do on the war room is give an alternative narrative of, of what is really going on and how these stories tie together. Well, um, it's very yeah. important, Peter. It's a great illustration of why it's extremely important to be very, very sure uh, what news sources you're getting, you're getting your information from because there are propaganda and lies out there. Which absolutely absolutely and that's why again it, it is all when i see a story i do look to see um what those other guardian independent bbc and over in the states what they will be saying um this one is this one is from the independent which is another great left-wing source so approach jam could bring this up um uh we put this up and i saw that uh the bannon had reposted it so it's a, a story of where we are all heading through compelled speech. Um, and it is this story. Teacher Enoch Burke spent his first night in custody, isolated from general prison population. Uh, it is a frightening, frightening story. Um, that's his um, That's his first day in jail. Um, and if we can scroll down on that, Pujam, let me actually bring it up on my... Um, so teacher, he was jailed for contempt of court, stemming from a school transgender row. He spent his first night in custody. Uh, he was committed to Mountjoy Prison in Dublin by order of a high court judge. Um, initially, he will be spent in jail in the sea base, where all newly committed prisoners are placed on arrival to undergo a standard risk assessment. Um, and then it goes on. He won't mix with them. That's actually seemingly because of COVID. <laughs> That's a whole other issue. Um, but this is simply because he refused uh, that a a boy that said they were a girl, that he said, no, you're a boy, and, and to, uh, referred to them as who they were. And this whole thing about compelled speech means that actually we will possibly all end up behind bars unless we submit to whatever speech ideology is forced upon us. Yeah, well, Peter, you know, when I first saw the headlines a few days ago of, of, of this story earlier on the week, that, 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 that basically a court had in, in Northern Ireland had uh, thrown the, a teacher, um, of oh, Dublin, excuse me. Dublin, um, Republic. Uh, the Republic had um, had thrown this teacher without a trial into prison. My first, before knowing the details of the story, it was fantastic. I hope it's going to be the first of many. What a great idea. Send them all. Um, then when I started, you know, just the idea that the, that the courts are sending teachers to prison seems to me like a great policy for any country to have. Um, 
then when I started digging down and looking into the details of the thing, you know, it's not fully the case that he, that this guy here, um, Enoch Burke, was, um, was, was sent to prison because he refused, just, just to be technical about this, because he refused to, to, to use the, the correct pronouns. He, was, he, was, he went to prison um, because, um, for, for contempt of court. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is important, right? Here's my here's my observation on this story, right? Christians, evangelical Christians, traditional Catholics, right? At some point, we should be expecting persecution um, because of the, the the wider because of our witness to unchanging gospel values um, in the face of the wider LGBTQ. And on and on and on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> agenda, right? We we should expect this, right? Yeah. Um, if it is technically the case that this guy has um, has been sent down, just as I said, now I don't want to exaggerate, but if he's if he's um, had his liberty confiscated um, for contempt of court, it is definitely going to be the case within I would within a generation that people will be going to prison um, for misgendering. Um, inverted commas, yeah. Um, here's my point, right? Christians, if you are going, there's that passage in, in the gospel about not building a tower um, unless you, you know, you've got the resources to finish yeah. it or not going to war um, unless you know you've got the, the, the army to finish it. But do Christians, here's my message to Christians. Do not start walking on the path here of resistance to the LGBT agenda, unless you have the faith to walk that path to the end, because it is a path of persecution. Um, and I would add to that, um, as part of that discernment, be very, very sure that you know exactly what the ditch that you're going to die on is. Um, I wouldn't be prepared to die on the ditch of contempt of court, but I would be prepared to die on the ditch of, of misgendering. Yeah. Um, there's there are some subtleties here. We've got another similar story coming up, haven't we, Peter? Um, well, let, let's bring Caroline Farrow because I know she was on the war room. Um, and the weird thing we had her as a guest on Saturday, I've got to know Caroline very well. And then Monday, she found herself arrested. Um, and this is a huge story that's garnered massive attention. Um, and so, Projan, if we can bring that up, uh, Caroline Farrow's story. And this, the headline is, I was deprived of my liberty in an unnecessary and undignified way. Gender critical Catholic mother blasts Surrey police who swooped on her home and arrested her in front of her traumatized children uh, without a warrant over a series of malicious posts. And uh, Projan, if we can scroll down just to leave the pictures up of her. Yep, the two pictures, keep going, keep going, of her standing in the dress Yep, the, that one, her standing in the dress, getting getting frisked. And then the one under it is the picture of the police actually pushing their way, forcing their way into her house. Um, and this is all because of anonymous posts. And there are a whole load of areas of concern. But you've obviously seen this story. And she was on with Steve for a good 10 minutes uh, explaining 
what actually had happened to her because of an allegation of an anonymous post online and then later on on a Twitter conversation. But I guess this is where we currently are, that the police are policing pronouns. Yeah. Um, and the irony here is that 10 years ago, you wouldn't be able to get the education establishment's interest in teaching pronouns to kids because they weren't interested in grammar remotely. Now they're obsessed by now they're obsessed by pronouns, right? So I, all I'm saying is look on the bright side. Look, ten years ago, ten years ago, nobody in politics or the media or the culture was interested in marriage. Now they're obsessed by it, right? So again, look on look on the bright side. Um, I'm going to build on what I was saying before because I think there's there's a very seamless thing here between these two stories uh, Winston Churchill right said that um, that Londoners should get used to bombing uh, being bombed in the way that eels got used to to being skinned um, again Christians should be should get used to this this is this is this is this is only only going to get worse um, unless right unless we have because we don't have a written constitution in the same way that the, that mm. America has, um, unless we have some kind of um, First Amendment protection on free speech, yep. um, we, 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 we won't have any free speech. We don't have free speech. We now know what sorts of crimes the police are actually interested in, in, in policing. It's been a mystery for a long time. Now we know, as you say, it's pronouns that they're policing. Um, it's not protecting your home, your home from being burgled, right? Unless, of course, you defend yourself in the act of being burgled, when the police would then be very interested in, in punishing you for defending yourself. Um, it's all topsy-turvy. Let's see, because we were promised a right-wing pseudo-fascist um, government. That's what the media told us we were going to get yep. under Liz Truss, right? Uh, all I can say is, I can only hope. Let's see if this government is is going to turn around and, and use all its dictatorial powers that we've been warned about in ensuring that the police police proper crimes and not these non-existent non-crimes. We need we need, a, we need First Amendment protections. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. And to our viewers, you can, uh, we'll have Caroline on again. She's on regularly. Um, Citizen Go is the organisation. She is the campaign director and that's for. A great, Peter, that's a great, I mean, I've worked with them. That's a great organisation. It does it a lot is. of good work. It is. Um, and the police are obviously in this way coming for them. And I know they will be doing a, a fundraising uh, because she is not, they picked on the wrong person. Uh, they are going after the police um, and suing them. And I loved her, uh, her time with Mark Stein. And then the next day with Steve and it was like, she's full on, not going to back down as an organization. They're not doing, the police are not going to intimidate. And it's good to see that bold, um, brash confidence, which often I think we we don't see in the church. Um, so that's wonderful. Um, two other stories. This is a this is a, a strange one. This was in the Guardian. It's not just strange because it was in the Guardian, uh, but this is 
top robot companies pledge not to add weapons to their tech to avoid harm. And this is a picture of a robot. This is in Parliament Square. You can see Big Ben in the background. And the campaign to stop killer robots. Uh, and we scrolled on several robot production companies have pledged not to support the weaponization of their general purpose robots and encourage others to follow suit. In an open letter, six leading robotics firms promised not to add weapons and said they would oppose others doing so. Um, ben, I guess this means that they're all going to have weapons very soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it is, it is all a bit Skynet, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, you know, I've, like most people, I'm concerned about the nature of technological advances now combined with the, the, the aspect of artificial intelligence. I think for the first time, humanity is is creating um technology that that it won't have the ability to control um the capacity to control the, the it's an existential issue this um i don't have any platitudes um uh, for this this is it, it's terrifying um and if you ha if you do come at politics from a christian perspective the hubris behind mankind's um, um, desires and assertions at this point in, in our progression ought to be indicating, um, yeah, pride comes before a fall. What, what we're doing here, um, we're just talking about the, 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 the rewriting of nature by, by fiat um, on the pronoun debate, what we're doing here is setting up something um, out of arrogance, I, I repeat the word hubris, um, and it you know probably will lead to our own destruction. No, oh, yeah. well, and it's it's very much man making man in man's image, yeah, um, and abandoning uh, our creator and abandoning those guidelines. And uh, we see that in the whole LGBT. When you scrap guidelines, when you remove any constraints, then literally all hell breaks loose and i think that's what we're seeing in in many areas and certainly in the terms of it and technology um we are certainly seeing that and and the whole uh transhuman side all of that but that's a, a whole other area we'll knock it into we will finish on our last story which is on covid and it's on marvel jumping in and being now being part of the um the information war that we are facing. Uh, this is uh, that your friendly neighborhood Pfizer man, US Pharma Jan, partners with Marvel to create a comic that urges people to get their COVID vaccine and be an everyday hero. It shows Ultron attacking who represents COVID as he keeps evolving. Um, it's wonderful that Marvel have come to help us understand what's happening, isn't it, Ben? <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, I, I mean, I like the headline there. I mean, I, 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 I did my own variation on that about you know, your friendly neighbourhood sudden adult death syndrome. But it, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't sound doesn't. more truthful. But it doesn't. It has quite a ring. Here's another one I had for you, right? With great power comes great mRNA technology. It, it does. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not exactly Stan Lee, but. I, I like it. I, I, it has the it has the essence of the of the new um, the new agenda. 
that can be on the next edition. Don't you worry, Ben. I think you should submit your suggestions to Marvel and they could take you up on it. You could be a superhero yourself. Look, if it, look, I mean, I have to say, right, in all seriousness, I think the Fouch actually lends himself to, the, to being portrayed as the Green Goblin, right? Yep. I, yeah. I, I think it's a shoo-in. There are a number of characters from real life, I think, that could, that could make the transition over. Um, I mean, I can imagine the Fouch sitting on this little fly, flying disc. Um, it, it would work quite well. Absolutely. No, uh, absolutely. It could go anywhere. Um, but it shows the, I guess, the the crazy information war and then our, the governments worldwide will use any way to bash us and force us to take whatever um, medicine they want us to take in whatever way they can. And if, shame, yeah. shame propaganda of children as well. So Yeah, no, completely. Well, that's, that's another angle I hadn't actually looked at, thought of. You're right, it, it's going after the children. Um, and again, it's the state not trusting parents and the state should take control of children because the parents don't know best, but Fauci knows best. Thank God for Fauci. Yes. And on that, I, we will finish off. Ben, I've kept you for nearly a whole hour. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you. Um, the first time uh, with us on Hearts of Oak. And um, love uh, the um, War Room room. And it's... Uh, uh, I guess initially it was going to lead up the election, but it's it's now had a life of its own, so it's kept going. Yeah, yeah. And if if any of the Hearts of Oak viewers wanted to check us out, I'll just give. I'll just say I'll just do a, a promo for the show. Um, we're on Getter, um, and it's simply my surname, as you, as you mentioned at the beginning, um, at Harnwell. That, that's the feed that that, that we drop the sh the show on um, at six thirty Rome time. That's five thirty your time. In, in the UK, it's like 15 minutes in Italian um, on, on, the, on the main um, news of the day. Okay. With subtitles coming soon. With subtitles. With subtitles that aren't just rad, random, randomly thrown out <laughs> words. <laughs> what more could you want? So you can learn some Italian by tuning into that. Absolutely wonderful. Um, let me just just give a short sum. Um, I see, goodness, there's so many. MDS Miser, uh, Trevor0707 saying thank you, Trumpiest Girl, uh, and hashtag I stand with Bannon, uh, Glass Half Drunk. Uh, there's so my I'm um, sorry it keeps scrolling down uh, whenever I pick up on it that I see more comments so thank you so much for joining always good to have your comments on the side great to have a um, an idea of where our audience is coming from so thank you so much for watching and thank you Ben for joining us great to have you on and I'm sure we'll have you back in the future thanks Peter I look forward to you to joining uh, the war room Rome at some point uh, again um, in the near future Anytime, anytime. And to our viewers and listeners, thank you so much for uh, watching. However you've been watching, however you've been listening, great to have you with us. I wish you a wonderful rest of your weekend. And on Monday, we've got Tess Laurie back with us again the second time talking about the World Council of Health um, and the great work they are doing. Um, and then on Thursday, we've got Peter Navarro. So looking at his book, Taking Back Trump's America. So those are two very different guests, uh, very important topics uh, joining us on Monday, Dr. Tess Laurie and Thursday, Peter Navarro. So tune in for both of those. And on that, 
I wish a wonderful rest of your evening and we'll see you on Monday for Dr. Tess Laurie. So thank you so much and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.